Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. I want to rally the troops. It was such a good time. I mean, I'm scared of old people. I really am. Sorry if there's any old people in the room. My mom traumatized me when I was like four, five, seven. She used to make us go to, uh, to nursing homes, and I was just like freaked out. You know, have you ever been to a nursing home? Yeah, it, it can freak you out as a little kid, but, but gosh, it was such a, a good time of just loving on these, these, uh, these people that don't get a lot of, and just touch, physical touch. Uh, you, you underestimate how important touch is, you know, because we hug and we're, but these, these, they're in beds and they're not, uh, did you just make a joke? You guys are unbelievable, front row trouble already. But it, you underestimate how these older uh, people that some of them have no family visiting them, and just holding their hand was just, uh, it was a great, a great day yesterday. So we are in a series on um, discovering really what does God want? What does God want? You know, what's his divine direction? I don't know, is there anybody in here who needs to make any decisions in life right now? Is there anybody here that, you know, there's some decisions ahead of them that they're looking at? Well, it's, it's always, I mean, time and time again, the question I get from people is, what does God want, or what decisions do I make? And we've been walking through this series of what God wants in our life, how to see, how to understand, how to perceive what God wants. In the first week, we said this, who before the do and why before the what. That's Craig Groeschel. And he says this, that we've got to know who we are and who Jesus is before we do anything. We just want to do, 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 do. And we don't really understand who we are in Christ. Need to, the why before the what. Why we do what we do before what we do. The why behind, we talked about that the first week. Last week, we said this. There's three key components to making decisions. Obviously, there are more, but we said these three are crucial in our life. Your walk, your ask, and your decide. Your walk is this. Who are you walking side by side with that can give you good advice, that will push back on you, that love you enough to keep you in the direction you need to go? The second thing we said is you've got to ask, how many times have you gone to this word and not asked God what he wants for your life? How many times have you asked God what he wants and you've not gone to his word? The third thing we said is sometimes you just got to make a choice. You got to decide. You got to decide. James says a a double-minded man is unfaithful, unstable in all of his ways. Let him not think that he would receive anything from the Lord. So these are kind of directional things that we've talked about. And what we said for millennials over the last few weeks is this. That in this millennial generation, there's great confusion. They don't make decisions very well. First of all, we said because there's there's so many options that they have. You and I had two or three options. Millennials today have 500 options in front of them. It's this mass number of options. Then we talked about, again last week, the illusion of perfection with these phones that they hold in their hand. Everything is perfect and tight and together, and we all know that that is not true. It's not that tight. It's not that perfect. And as I was reading today, I read it, or this week, I read an article and this week talking about millennials, and in Forbes it says this, there's this thing called career paralysis. 
This is a legitimate term and a psychological term, career paralysis for these millennials. They literally, it said in this article, they melt down when they get out of college because no one's telling them what to do anymore, and they don't know what choice to make going to college. We have so programmed our kids around, at 3 o'clock you do this, at 3.30 you do that, at 5 o'clock you do this, as opposed to when you and I were kids, do you remember what happened? My dad said, here's a baseball. Come back before it gets dark. And uh, street lights are on, exactly. And good luck. There's this vast number of decisions that I got to make. It wasn't structured like it is today. Now we had sports and all those things, but today it's like on a t- it's time, time, time. Everything is, and, and what it does is it, it, it just paralyzes our kids. So the reason we're doing this series is talking about how do we make godly choices? How do we make the right choices? See, an uncommitted life is always an unsuccessful life. An uncommitted life is the one, well, I'm just not going to make a decision. That's not a successful life. By not making a decision, you've made a decision, and it's a bad decision. So how do you make God decisions? What does God want? What does he want for your life? What does he want for my life? This week, I want to talk about trusting the process. We put in some principles, the why before the what, the do, or the the who before the do, you know, the walk, all those things. We put together these principles. Was that your phone? Uh, it was. You're blaming her? Come back from England, and now your phone's going off, and life is... Um, I want to talk about today, about trusting the process that God takes you through. I want to show you what that looks like, because it's in the process that everything really changes in our life. I want to start by looking at Paul's experience in Acts 20. It says this, Paul's experience and God's process in his life, and now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns, uh, warns me that prison and hardship are facing me. That sounds like fun. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. That is such an encouraging scripture. It makes you just want to run out and do things for God. I want to break it down and talk about this experience because what I find is Christians, when they don't understand what God takes us through, what we walk through, what we can walk through, we kind of go into that non-decision mode and we throw things to the side and we don't walk as God has called us to walk and then we wonder why it's not going the way that we think or the way God has called it to go. Paul and his experiences, there, there are four steps in God's process. Again, there are more. I just I have these four things that I want to look at today. And one is this, spiritually compelling. In Paul's walk, there was a spiritual compelling that went on. There was a certainly unknown. There was certain, sorry, I can't even read. Certainly unknown that he walked through. There's periodic, oh my gosh, predictably hard. I'm reading ahead. Uncommonly confident. These are the four things that I want to just walk through if I can ever read again right now. So, um, spiritually compelling. It says this in Jerusalem in Acts 20, 22, and now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. This compelled by the Spirit is, is dionuma, which literally means this. If I were to take like a, a rope or a belt and just tie it around you, 
and then I would grab the end and I would pull it. I would pull you to me. It's a cord that is pulling you. And when it says compelled by the Spirit of Paul, he was literally saying that God, the Holy Spirit, grabbed a hold, grabbed a rope around me and pulled me into what he had called me to do. Paul says, now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. And, and in that, we have to be able to trust God in the process of where he's calling you into. Not knowing We'll talk about that. The first thought in God's process of the Spirit is this prompting that takes place. When, you've, when, you, when you understand and when you surround yourself by the right people and you ask for wisdom and you make that decision, there's this process of being pulled into what God has called you to do. That deal, Numa moments. Now, in, in my life, I, I can clearly look at these moments you know, 23, I don't know, 24, two, I don't know, 20 some years ago, going from California to Austin, Texas. It's one of those pulling moments. We talked a little bit about my story last, last week where, where I had an option to go do color commentary and God had called me to Austin, Texas. And, the, and it was literally when we made this decision, it, it, Chris and I made this decision, it was this pulling of God going, it's time to go into what I've called you to in Austin, Texas. There wasn't resisting, and even if we would have tried to resist, it had been this pulling into it. And then when we're in Austin for nine or so years, and, and then it, it shifted. We had another one of those moments, those spiritual moments where the Holy Spirit said, I want to pull you back out to California. Now, I kind of had to drag Chris into that pulling the Spirit didn't wrap her. I wrapped her and locked her up and made her go. No, the Holy Spirit did, but it leaving Austin. But it was again this moment. And I remember specifically sitting in, and, and, and I was in a meeting in our church there, and the pastor was talking, and, and I, would, uh, I, I was thinking, I wouldn't do it that way. He doesn't know what he's doing. He, you know, the guy had been pastoring for 40 years, and I'm questioning him. But what I realized is this. It was the Holy Spirit pulling me out of something into something new. And then several years ago, I remember clearly when the Holy Spirit started pulling me out of Watermark and into Pacific Point. I was sitting preaching to a group of about 60 pastors, and I was preaching on, on, on laying down everything that you have to do what God has called you to do. And in the, that moment, the Holy Spirit grabbed me, that Dehonuma, and, and said, I'm talking to you. I'm pulling you out of something that is security, something that you have, and into something totally new. See, here's the question that ultimately we all have to answer. Is God God? It just sounds, you know, ah, is God God? Yes, God's God. No, no, no. Is God God? It's a, it's a deep, profound, theological, just wrestling that you can't just go, yes. What you experience is God God. And I, I say that because it says this in Isaiah. If God is God, then this would have to be true. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as high the heavens are, are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thought than your thoughts. Is God God? Because if God's God, your thoughts of way it should go, your thoughts of whether you should be pulled or not, your thoughts of whether God's taking you the right direction or not, your thoughts of whether it's right or wrong or not, are not God's thoughts. 
Therefore, when we talked about the process of of walking with men and women who will push back and and give you good advice or asking God for wisdom or, or making that decision, it becomes all that more important when we look at scriptures and who God is. Some of us in here just need to answer that question. Is God God? And when you reconcile that and you go, yes, he is, then some of you are going to have to just let go. Oh, that's so hard. So much easier said than done. See, because when the who is before the do, when we know who Jesus is before we go do something, and the why, because God has called me, is before the what, then you walk and ask for wisdom. And you decide because the pulling of the Holy Spirit is strong. you got to trust the process. We don't live in a world of Christians that like to trust the process. I know what to do, God. I don't want to feel the uncomfortableness of this God. I don't want to trust you, God. All those things that you and I say. But you want to know the decisions. You want to know what God has for your life? You've got to trust the process. You've got to trust the process. Certainly unknown. Number two. Certainly unknown. I love it. I'm going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there. Has anybody felt that way? God, pull, he's pulling you into something in your life. And you have no idea what it looks like, what it's going to look like. Paul is, is going, I, I'm go, not knowing what's going to happen to me there. Looking back, we, we see the picture and there's some sketchy stuff. Paul had no idea that he was laying a foundation for the church, that he was going to write two-thirds of the New Testament. So often, what we want in life is, is, is we want details. God, show me the details. Show me the details. Yeah, a few good men. I watch it every year about 15 times. It's always on. And what's the line? You guys know the line. <laughs> you can't handle the truth. It's the classic line. And, and I'm telling you, this is my conversation. God, I want details. You want details? Because you can't handle the details. You can't handle the truth of what's about to happen to you. It would blow your mind. It would mess you up. In fact, so much so that you wouldn't go to Jerusalem. You wouldn't take that job. You wouldn't go that direction. You'd go left or you'd go right. So I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to ask you to just step and trust. You want to make decisions? Don't, you don't have to know all the details of where it's going to go. You've got to know that God's called you, and you've got to take the next step. See, here's the conversation. God, I want to know the steps, four, five, and six. I was going through this. is my conversation. I'm not going to show you four, five, and six until you take one, two, and three. Sometimes there's not nice words in there, and I have to repent. <laughs> But God, I want to plan my life. I need to know to prepare. God says, no, the Lord determines your steps. I go, I know that I'm called to go, God. But I don't understand the details. Show me the details. Show me the details of what you're doing. Because in my mind, it doesn't make sense. What do we say in Isaiah? My thoughts are not your thoughts, and your thoughts are not my thoughts. And God says, all I'm going to do is this. I'm going to show you the next step. That just pisses me off. You can, that's not a curse word. 
Is it? Can I say that in church? I repent for you religious people. For all you non-religious people, you get it. Um, it's, it's the certainly unknowing. It's, it's, it says this in Psalm 19. Thy word is a lamp unto thy feet. We talk about this. I can see right here. I can see this next step and the next step and the next step. I can see the next step and the next step. It's not a shining light that shows all into my life for the next 20, 30 years. I would love that light and I don't see it. And sometimes God gives us glimpses into that. But I'm telling you, time in and time out, God says, next step, next step. And when you take the next step, it's going to be a trusting step. I'm not going to show you the whole thing because you'll take credit for it if I show you the whole thing you'll say you did it this way I trust you trust in me this way you don't go too hard left or too hard right we're asking God God I got to make this decision today God I got to make this tough decision today and let me tell you I'm not telling anything that that I'm not walking through isn't it it's like Friday so we're making a huge decision for our family right now huge decision the decision is to get rid of one of our kids. <laughs> do you do it or don't you do it? To which all of you are going, do it! To which we scream. Um, about a week ago, we get a call uh, about Hudson. And there's a prep school in, in, in uh, uh, Rhode Island. It's called Mount St. Charles Prep, which is a, a great education. Phenomenal education. And it's a hockey academy. We play 60 games a year. And they're trainers, and it's like full-blown. Hudson's 14, going to be 15, going to be a freshman. And we're going, gosh, do we want to ship him off? I'm like, there's a couple others I'll ship off. Can I? Tr-? No, I didn't say that. <laughs> you know, and, and it's like, you know, because usually when they go, they don't come back. They may come back for summer, but they're, they're out of your, your, you're gone. So we've been going back, and we made this decision. We go, okay, he, he wants to go, he's going to go. And then Friday night, so he, we play for a team here in Anaheim. And I came back to say goodbye to the coach and talk to him and stuff. And they start just, you can't go, and we'll give you money to stay to pay for his hockey and all. I mean, crazy stuff. And then all of a sudden, I start going sideways the other way again. Yeah, I'm like, oh, my gosh. And in the middle of the Holy Spirit goes, what are you preaching on? Like, okay, who have I surrounded myself? I called my dad. I called my wife. I called a good friend who knows hockey, wise men. And I called upon the wisdom of the Lord. I said, God, what, what have you called me to do? What have you called me to do? And we made a decision. So I, 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 he's going. He's going. So it, it's, I, I'm not asking you to do anything I'm not doing. That's one of, and let me tell you, I walked back because I went outside. I'm pacing. I'm like, they're like, we need an answer. And I'm like, okay, let me go call the, I call a friend, you know. Um, <laughs> A game show, you know? And uh, I, I'm telling you, I walk back in and the peace of God just, whew. I knew that I knew that I made the right decision. It wasn't a random decision. It wasn't a foolish, just, I'm going to make a decision. I walked and trusted the process. What? Oh, yes. So to which I, I asked, uh, I, yeah, I, I, call, I called Hudson and, and acted like I was testing him, you know, what do you think, son? You know, I'm trying to get an answer here from a 14-year-old. Four, I'm just testing you right now, but what do you think? And I'll make the decision here. I'm an idiot. And you know what? To, to his credit, he, he said, look, I made a commitment. I'm going. I said, okay, we made a commitment. This, it seems, you know, I like this series because it's just practical. <laughs> 
You know why I love God? It's because he didn't say, now go and get on your face and read 50 scriptures and, and give me a burnt offering and go tithe double this week and do this and do that and do that and I'll tell you. He just said, here's, here's the process. Ask for wisdom. Maybe call a couple of those people that care about you in your life. See what they say. And then decide. There was something to the beauty of the simplicity and the profoundness of God. But it's this. i got to make a step. i got to take another step. i got to ask. See, my plans in... in, in Gosh, in life, are rarely about the future now. It's about today. But God, I want certainty. God, you want certainty? Here's certainty. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. But I want to know how I'm going to pay for this. <laughs> Did I deo numa you into this? Did I pull you into this? Yeah, I think so. Okay, then. I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Ah. Next step. Next step. I'll guide you step by step. You got to trust the process. You got to trust the process. The moment from California to Austin, I, God, I want to know what it's going to look like. Nope. Pack up the truck and go. And we packed up the truck. We didn't, we didn't have a paycheck. We just packed up and we went. The process of going from Austin to California. God, I need, I, I want to know what church is going to look like. I got to know who's going to be a part of it. We had no idea. We had been gone for nine, ten years. Again, God said, pack it up. Pack up your, how many kids? I don't even know how many kids we had at the time. Three or four. Pack up the kids. We can't leave them, you mean? Okay, we'll pack them up. And, 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 and. I'll show you. Just go. Take a step. We came out. We took a step. And some of you are, are here, and you were here when we took that first step from Watermark to Pacific Point. It's like I'm, I'm preaching to 60 pastors I'm in a church that is seemingly you know, doing well, and I sit before the elders, and I say, I, I resign. Here, it's, it's, it's yours. I had no idea what I was going to do. I had no idea how I was going to pay. I had no idea that, I was going to be, that you were going to be stuck with me. Pacific point. God pulled me into the moment. Number three, predictably hard. Predictably hard. I, I, gosh, this is tough. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship are facing me. Are you kidding me? Let's go! Come on! Let's go get a prison and let's go get some hardship in our life. This has got to be what God has for us. Jesus, I know you're calling me into hardship. We go, that can't be God. If you're not ready to face opposition for your obedience to God, you're not ready to be used by God. I could just sit right there and walk away, drop the mic, and we could call it a day. I, I am, see, but here's the problem. Most, I'm generalizing, Christians are not willing to sit in the obedience because the fire gets too hot. 
and they miss out on the other side. And let me tell you, the other side is amazing. They miss out on the God moments on the other side where, where I start a church by God's grace like this and I get to meet you. I get to see people's lives change like some of yours. I get to, I get to experience, taste, feel all of God's movement. Life is hard. If we could just trust the process that God's going. You know why we don't trust the process? Because we don't read his word. If we were to read his word, if we sat in this word, if we ate this word, and, 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 and we would see God's process from Genesis to Revelation, and that, that through every great man or woman, and every average man or woman, and everyone in between, we would see this process that God takes them through, and we'd realize that we can't do what God has called us to do unless we've walked through this process. And some of us think we, we can undercut the process and just jump to go, and it's not true. Because God uses the process, and it changes us. We're never the same. Obey, step, step. Get knocked on your butt, get back up. Obey, step, step. Obey, take a beat and get up. We just got back from Costa Rica, and uh, John and Jeremiah and a bunch of us who went surfing. Um, but I hadn't surfed. I took about two months off. So we're going to surf, and the waves get, you know, big, and, and I'm a little, little more buoyant these days and, and not as... Um, <laughs> you guys got that one. I don't know if you get it. Um, so I hadn't, I hadn't paddled. I'm like, so this is what I do when, when I realize that I got to go there. I, I pray for good-sized surf here, and then I usually go to Huntington Beach, and I don't know if anybody's paddled at Huntington Beach. It's the most miserable thing if you haven't paddled for a while. I get on my board, I paddle, and I take a beating. And I get back and I paddle, and the next wave comes and gives a beating. And I get back and I paddle and I take a beating. The first time I laugh, about 30 minutes, and I just get out and go, okay, that's good. <laughs> I might not even have surfed a wave. And then I go back out the next day. And, and it's in this process of taking the beating and getting through that eventually I get to the point where I'm, I got waves. And that, that just that dropping in and you're in, just that feeling of surfing. But I am very cognizant of, I know I got to take my beating. And, 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 but, but, but we think this as Christians. I don't have to take my beating. God meant, never meant for me to take my beating. No, fall of men, Genesis 3, everyone's going to take their beating on some level. Why do we think as Christians, oh, we don't have to take a beating. God will just protect me because I am John Blue. It's a lie. He says, I'll be with you in the midst of your beating. See, everything significant you do will be met with resistance. Everything significant. Name one significant thing you've done in this life and tell me it hasn't been met with some sort of resistance. Something great comes out of it. We want to circumvent the resistance. We want the easy road. But you can't have it if you want the fullness of what God has for you. Here's me. Well, God... <laughs> This must not be your will. It's way too hard. Trust me, take a step. Yeah, but it's hard. God says, okay, who do you trust? Why are you doing it? Do you have good people around you? Have you asked me for wisdom? The process that God takes us through when we want to know his will. See, the struggle that you're having today is developing the spiritual strength that you need tomorrow. Look, I, I, you know, 
what is ahead of you and what God has for you out there is being forged right now here if you'll embrace it and trust God's process, if you'll trust his process. Because it's not going to always be easy. It's just not. Resistance isn't a sign that you're out of God's will, but it might be an indication that you're doing exactly what God wants you to do. That's the, that, that, doesn't, that does not fill up churches. It just won't fill the seats. But I, I, I'd rather be here and with men and women who have the conviction of what God's doing in their life than twice a month at any church just because they're checking it off the list. Uh, it's, these are the men and women that I want to walk with. These are the men and women that Paul walked with. These are the ones in the Bible that started the church when they were killing Christians for starting churches. These are the men, the 12 disciples, that were, were, were persecuted for their faith. These were the men who gave everything because they understood who God was and what he had for, and they understood this principle. Their hope wasn't here. Their hope was future tense. And it changed everything. It changed everything. And in this, this moment, this Numa Duo no moment that God brought us into, when we went to Cal from California to Austin, the, the, it was difficult. There was difficulties. We didn't have a salary for I don't know how long. We didn't, you know, we were figuring out this ministry thing. We started having all these kids. Oh, God, it was difficult. But we knew he pulled us into it. And he was faithful. And then coming back to California, uh, yeah, we're still wrestling through what happened there and the difficulties of coming back here and starting a church and, and in our own foolishness, losing a house and, and, and all the ups and downs and craziness. And, but I know that I know that God pulled us into this moment and there's going to be difficulties. Leaving a church that I established and started and, 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 and walking away and giving it all away to come and, and do this, there's difficulty because I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know if anybody would show up. I didn't know if I, how I was going to pay the bills. I had no idea of any of those things, but I knew God had called me out of something, was pulling me out of something into something new. I just had to take a step and trust him. And there's been five million times that I've run ahead and got to go, just back up, back up, back up. Just take a step and we'll see you tomorrow. I'm sitting in the midst of those things now. I sit in this church and, and, and I love this church and what God's doing. I go, okay, God, what are you going to do? How are you going to pay the bills? Take a step. We're not starting this again, are we, God? He said, yeah. Just play, push re the recorder, just push rewind and play. That's what he says to me. We've had this conversation so we're not changing your mind? No. <laughs> Uncommonly confident. Paul says this, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me. <sighs> if, if Christians would just grab a hold of that, if I could just grab the fullness of that, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. See, Paul's plan 
step by step. I don't know the details. I know it's not going to be easy. I'm certain that God wants me to glorify Jesus wherever I go. Whether I'm with a big crowd, glorify Jesus. Whether I'm with a small crowd, glorify Jesus. Whether I'm locked up in prison, I preach Jesus. Whether I'm locked and chained to a prison guard, I'm going to lead him to Jesus. If they're beating me and leading me for dead, I'm calling out to Jesus. Paul's life, Paul's plan, Paul's experience. And think, Paul didn't know this at the time, but he started the church that is some two billion strong today, Christians. He's the writer of a third or two-thirds of the, of the New Testament. He didn't know that at the time, but he understood these principles of decision and trusting God. And today we are benefactors because one man trusted God. Who might be a benefactor to your trust? Who might it be? See, here's Paul's experience in God's process. But whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I'm speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast of that. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm better. I'm a better one. I am talking like a madman with a far greater labors, far more imprisonments, and countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I recorded it the hands of the Jews, 40 lashes minus one. 39 lashes, 40 was considered a place where someone would die. So 30, 40 minus one. Three times I was beaten with a rod. Once I was uh, stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers from the city, dangers from the wilderness, dangers at sea, dangers from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there's this daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to fall and I am not indignant? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God of Father, the Lord Jesus, he who blessed forever knows that I'm not lying. None of us have walked that walk. All of us have walked our own walks. His is not more important than mine, not less important than mine. But he understood something that I, I don't always understand. Paul didn't have a plan for the future. He had a plan to obey the Spirit today, one step. He didn't have a plan mapped out with his five-year goals. Now, I, let me clarify, because, gosh, I talk about goals in five years and one, three all the time. Just do it with an open hand. I mean, I, I, I teach and train around goal setting. and go, But it, it's with this open hand that we have to do it with. He had some things that he hoped for, but he followed the Spirit's prompting every single day. Why? Why would he do this? Because I'm absolutely and completely confident that it's not about me. Paul knew it wasn't about him. I have a heavenly calling to glorify Jesus everywhere I am. He understood it wasn't about him. And if we could just get that one thing in check, that it's not about you, 
that it's about others, that there are people dying and going to hell apart from relationship with Jesus, and I have the answer. I don't always do the right thing with it. God has called me to this. So we have to, you want to know what, what God's called you to? You want to know your destiny, your purpose? Trust God's process. He's doing something in you. I can see it. I can see it as I look in your eyes. He's doing something in you. He wants to do something now through you. And the ultimate question you have to answer is this. Is he enough? Is God enough? And when you come to that place in your life, in the darkest of the dark places, and you're on your face, and you're crying out, and you got nothing else, and you, and you come to this realization that he is enough, everything changes. My prayer for us is that you'd all be shipwrecked and beaten and no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> that you would all come to this place of he's enough. He's enough. And that when you make these decisions in life, you'd surround yourself by people that you trust. That you would cry out for wisdom from this word. And that you would make a decision. My prayer for you and for me is that you would walk through the process. And even when it doesn't look like you think it should look, you go, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. And even when God sends you where you don't want to go, you go, okay, God, I'm going. And you allow him to do through you what he wants to do. Because the other side is so good. Thanks for listening to the Pacific Point Podcast. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you are encouraged today.